Broadcasting live from the catacombs, this is The Monstrous Feminine, the podcast where horrible humans talk about horror. My name is Zayla, and I'm joined by my philosopher Stone, Mila, and this is our last episode covering horror centered around claustrophobia. We're talking about the 2014 American horror film As Above, So Below, directed by John Eric Dowdle. If you would like to hear one more bonus episode on this theme, head over to our Patreon and pledge. Before we get into this film, go ahead and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, or the Apple Podcast app. You can find all of our links on our Instagram at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast. As Above, So Below follows a team of explorers led by Scarlett Marlowe who are venturing into the catacombs underneath Paris in search of the Philosopher's Stone. But soon they uncover dark secrets that they could have never imagined. Yeah. This, this is as above, so below. That phrase is believed to be the key to all magic. It means that what is within me is outside of me. As it is on earth, so it is in heaven. As I am, so are my cells. So are my atoms. So is God. It should be said that clearly it's just Zabra and me on this episode. So forgive us for an unconventional format. (laughs) Let's see if we follow any of the same structure that we usually do with our parents keeping us in line. Yeah, you know, it's a little ping pong, a little back and forth, intimate conversation. Politely waiting for the other person to finish talking. I'm not sure how how we're going to We don't have to raise hands, take turns. Also the fact that you've watched it three times. Yeah, let's talk, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Because yes, I have watched this movie thrice now. The first time was in college and my friend was like, I love As Above, So Below. Also this friend has an obsession with Dante's Inferno. So in retrospect, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll give them that. Because when I went and looked up a, like a recap of this movie recently, they're like, oh, this is Dante's Inferno. And I was like, well, I have never read that epic poem myself. So I had no idea. And I never will. I never will. But there's a lot of references to Dante's Inferno in this that I would not have picked up on. I went on IMDb as part of the due diligence that is done as a researcher. And I was looking at all of the like Dante's Inferno references. And I was like, brain off, not absorbing any of this. (laughs) There's a lot of that. I'm sure this movie's wasted on knuckleheads like me. Mm, I... No, I would not say that this movie is not for knuckleheads or made by knuckleheads because having seen it thrice now, the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, this is bad. Like maybe I didn't think it was bad the first time because it had been recommended to me by a dear friend, but I was entertained, right? I loved it because it reminded me of National Treasure. (laughs) It has National Treasure energy. (laughs) The way they be connecting things. Yes, at one point she's deciphering the Latin and she's translating it into English, and the prophecy rhymes in English. Explain that. Explain that to me. I didn't think it needs any explanation. There's constant moments where the math simply doesn't math, and we just have to, like, suspend our disbelief. Like, she's speaking Aramaic, and, 
you know, wiping down a stone that she definitely shouldn't be touching. And she's like, ah, the emerald tablet. And then next thing you know, they're turning it 60 degrees. It's very National Treasure-esque. And so I love it. There's a general like lack of respect for artifacts in this film, which, listen, I'm no archaeologist, but this doesn't seem right. Do you remember that time that Jennifer Lawrence rubbed her butt on a sacred rock in Hawaii? Everything this woman did had that energy. I'm like, you got no respect for nothing. Like from the first adventure she went on. It was a compulsion. She just wanted this philosopher's stone. I mean, we can get into it, but maybe this film is about when intellectual curiosity crosses the line into compulsion and into delusion. I think that's what it's saying. We can get into it in the main discussion. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> oh, we're going to carry it away. Who's going to rein us in this episode? No one. So for this very special episode of The Monstrous Feminine, we would like to crown our Witches of the Week as Louisa and Taya, who couldn't be with us for mysterious reasons that we'll never know about. But we just think they they deserve some kind of dedication, recognition for being excellent researchers, as you will realize even more in this episode. <laughs> they are just amazing. Wow, I, why can't I say more? Because we are not only not the researchers, we're also not the emotional ones. No, we're emotionally constipated. So, special Witch of the Week edition, it's Louisa and Tyre. I mean, as you know, the criteria for this is usually to engage with our content in some way on Instagram, on TikTok, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Frankly, they have not done any of that. So if I had one complaint, it's that they should engage with our content more. Are you even real fans? Let's really dive into that. This took a turn. This took a turn. Friendly reminder that we're also on Patreon. For £1 a month, you gain access to our Discord. For £3 a month, you get to hear a cut discussion to our main episodes. And for £5 a month, you get all that plus a bonus episode. Please support us. Any contribution helps. In honour of Louisa, who loves IMDb, but for the life of her, can't say it right, and always says IMBD. So here are IMBD facts. The first one is that this is the first production ever that secured official permission from the French government to film in the catacombs. This doesn't seem like excellent like publicity for the catacombs nor for the city of Paris. Like it suggests that hell is underneath Paris. I think they simply know that's the truth. They're like, let's get on top of this PR wise. It's bodies on bodies. We can't deny it. Like, what was the decision-making process like? That they were like, this is the film we're going to stamp yes on the permit for. I'd like to hear how it was pitched to them, (laughs) the concept. Exactly. I bet all they did was email in. To the Paris Tourism Board. Yeah, you're the first people we've asked, so sure. I don't know much about the catacombs, honestly, besides that, like, there was an overflow of bodies. Should we look that up? This will be a running theme. (laughs) but I know nothing of the catacombs I know nothing of Dante's Inferno let's get some Wikipedia type perspective the remains of more than 6 million people but I don't know why because there was just no room I am assuming is that the sole purpose is that there was not enough space okay so I now I'm on Google and I saw the question why are you not allowed in the catacombs and I was like people aren't allowed in the catacombs but really it's not recommended 
for those who have respiratory problems or other nervous conditions or young children who may be afraid. (laughs) Too true. It's not recommended you go down here, but we can't stop you. One thing I do want to question is whether it is pronounced catacombs or catacombs. And we're going to Google it right now because I'm just curious. I, I know there's always a difference like between American and English. English. American is catacombs. English. No, it is catacombs. You said catacombs. 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 <laughs> okay. Something that was surprising to me is that... Ben Feldman, who plays George, apparently is Scarlet's ex. Was that clear that they had dated? There was tension. I thought they just had tension. I thought they were like into each other. Okay, well, this is what what Peter says. Let's take it at face value. He's claustrophobic in real life and apparently had to take like breaks during filming. Maybe this wasn't the film for you. They were in the real catacombs. That is nightmarish. Okay, great. So there's catacombs in many cities around the world, but the Paris ones, I guess, are famous because you can go down there. Yeah, and I think they're quite extensive. But it sounds like it was mostly like peasants, like undesirables get buried down there. It's like somebody couldn't be bothered with you, which is sad. Well, it says a lot of Jewish people were buried down there too, which is upsetting. There's all kinds of ways that like people treat bodies after death, like very specific rituals and it sounds like they just threw any old body down there and threw some crosses up. As part of the promotion for the film, PewDiePie traveled through the Paris catacombs. Excuse me? He did the catacombs challenge. Hold on, I'm gonna like watch a little bit of it and tell you the vibe. Oh god, it's like properly he's in there. This seems all kinds of disrespectful. Maybe this is what tourists do when they visit. There are all kinds of unsavory tourism sites. I don't really understand why this is open to the public besides the fact that it can make money. Most of the trivia was going into detail about all of the Dante's Inferno references. It went deep into them and I simply didn't. I mean, that's all I know is that there are nine cycles of hell and that's what they've sort of based the the structure of these caves, like in this movie, off of. There's a running theme throughout it about sins you've committed, atoning for those sins. Like, there's a, a strong religious core to this film. Even the lesson at the end that, like, I'm jumping way ahead, I suppose, but, like, the Philosopher's Stone is fake and that the real healing was in your heart with Christ's love. Yeah, what does that mean? I mean, we know what that means, but what does that mean? That alchemy is fake and that only faith in the Lord can save you. It's certainly a strange message because even if alchemy wasn't religious, it was at least spiritual. It feels a bit like heretic activity. I can't say why, but it seems like the kind of thing like with witchcraft that they wouldn't be down with. Yeah, this is an IMDb fact. The as above, so below phrase, well, they, I guess, translate it from, it was Latin or it was another one of the dead languages, but it's also something like very prevalent in Christianity, in the Lord's Prayer, on earth as it is in heaven. There's like a sort of mirroring between earth and and like a spiritual plane. So there's also that part of the film that I don't I don't remember being like, oh, that's the title. I also didn't pick up on what all of their sins that they were to- like being punished for were. Right? Like, okay, the car incident with like you didn't save people in the car, that's clear. So Scarlet, 
she's just like, well, her sin was stealing the philosopher's stone, which turned out to be fake, but her like sin was stealing it in the first place and being just like generally a ratty thief, like <laughs> of, of all kinds of things. But then I read online that Ben, it was suggested that Benji was like an abusive husband or father or something or neglectful. I did not pick up on that. And that is why he was being punished. And I was like, wow, I completely missed that because I just felt bad for him the whole time. Like he was the first to get stuck. And from that point onward, kind of just kept taking L's. His hand comes off. They said, we're not going to kill the black guy first. We are simply going to torture him throughout the whole film. Well, until he dies. R.I.P. You know, when we were talking about Saw, how broad their range of yes range of sin and like punishable acts were but that's also like kind of how the bible is correct me if i'm wrong like i feel like like sins are considered equal where they perhaps need not be if we think about the ten commandments there's like a, a certain priority to what you shouldn't do but none of them like murdered anybody like some of them were like a lot of these were like sins of neglect it's manslaughter then yeah and I'm sure that Satan has a good grips of the legal system. Do you think that the creature in the chair was Satan? When I was watching it, I was just like, that's just an oogie boogie man. Which I guess that's what Satan is. Yeah, that's really not how I imagined hell, but this is almost like worse than hell. Like I imagined more activity going on. A bit more buzz, more community. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I thought it would be like constant torture. I also didn't know that purgatory was for like everybody who technically didn't do anything wrong but isn't Christian. I learned so much. I'm like, that's fucked up. You admit they didn't do anything sinful. What was the name of the guy who got lost? I think his name is Latop. I was under the impression that he died in there and was stuck in hell and that whatever specter they found was his ghost that is just there now. Um, because there's no way he no, would he's in limbo. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I think he's in limbo. I guess he's rightfully angry forever that they didn't come looking for him. Um, but I actually would not have gone looking. I would have assumed you were dead, and you were dead. I don't understand totally how they got out. I guess they just went backwards through the rings. I think it's supposed to be this kind of leap of faith, which again adds to this very very strong christian message of accepting the lord into your heart don't know if my favorite horror movies always include that no theme. it's kind of surprising as i'm sure we're all shocked by this film didn't get the best reviews by film critics but something i noticed between two so it was don k the den of geek who said it's also in the second half of the film where the personal cameras become actively irritating. As the characters begin running and scrambling frantically through the tunnels, the footage becomes increasingly shakier and harder to watch. When it's not turning almost deliberately during one sequence into something resembling a first-person shooter game, complete with speedrun. And then Simon Abrams for Roger Ebert said something similar. You actually won't find fault with the generic need to see and do things that normal, semi-intelligent people know not to like take the hood off of a hanged man's face. It's a bad idea, but not an offensive decision in a film that sometimes feels like a series of video game cutscenes you cannot fast forward through. There's a like takedown by both of these film critics of the film in that they compare it to video games. I understand like where they're coming from. Obviously that like found footage POV style can feel like a shooter game. What year did this movie come out? I'm trying to think if there were like particularly bad POV, like first person shooter games that came out 
2014. Okay, so like COD was big. I feel like yeah, there were a few zombie games on the market. Like maybe it was just people sick of that. It, like thinking it was like um overdone or I think for me, it's all of the like leaps of faith that we're asked to take that make it a bad movie. Like I actually had no problem with the horror or the like intended scariness or the cinematography. It was all like bonkers lines in the script that like are just kind of like throw away and kind of rely on the audience being a bit stupid to like suspend our disbelief to like believe that I don't know they were doing so many riddles and rhymes it was just so funny to me if you're going to like base your whole film's law of an academic discipline I feel like you either have to get it exactly right so there's no room for the audience to feel like you're taking them on a fucking ride or you need to go in the opposite direction make it gobbledygook slash super camp just absurd and they went smack bang in the middle they were doing some of those like calculations so quickly at one point there was that booby trap that was timed and the walls were closing in and she had to like count the number of tiles and like do a quick equation i kind of lived for those like once i decided to stop being upset that everything didn't make any sense. I had a, yeah, I had a great time. I wonder like what it would take for me to have a good time in this film. I mean, as we've talked about, I don't like claustrophobic horrors. Now that I know they like actually filmed in the catacombs, I think, yeah, they, it was impressive. I wasn't questioning the like sense of place. Some of the mythology that they were working with, I was like, hmm. But I guess I didn't care that much, which I suppose is sort of the... The negative is that I didn't care at all. I don't know. I didn't know that I cared about artifacts. I mean, I obviously do when artifacts get stolen from their like rightful place. Lara Croft type character where it's like a focus more on adventure than academia. But that doesn't, I don't know if that works in this sort of like movie because it's not, it's not meant to be fun and campy. Her father sounded like a nut. And I wonder if she feels good about like spending her whole life chasing what exactly now? I guess she has lots of adventures she goes on. Listen, I wasn't invested in her journey. Let's say that. In fact, maybe I was rooting for her to fail at times. I thought when Le Toupe, <laughs> when he killed the other French girl, sorry, the French girl, there's a new one. I thought it was Scarlet and I was like, what a plot twist. And then aside from... The obvious cave symbolism, as we've connected it to the monstrous feminine, the cave being something yonic, being something mysterious. There's unknown yeah, things in it. Cavern of space linked to the womb because it's abject and unknown and the site of life and death. Aside from all that, that we all know, of course, do we have any other monstrous feminine? tropes in the film um i we have like multiple final girls but not in the sense that we they're all final girls but none of them are final women that's true there is a sense that they've been like reborn as they come out that's so maybe that's like as far as the monstrous feminine yonic imagery goes she's a little girl bossy but like so um she has so much what they call Hamarsha. She has so much like of a fatal flaw that like she is the protagonist. She's almost like an anti-hero. They don't really give her motivation that an audience would really give a shit about. And she has none of that mystery that would make her archaic. She has none of the like other like 
monstrous features that would make her like we don't see her vagina right like she's so transparent definitely woman written by man yes i feel like she had massive daddy maybe that was like the most realistic thing about her is like her whole motivation for everything literally running like a tomb raider insane and also like her relationship with her ex because i was he an explorer of some kind no, he was just a translator slash clock repairman. And having a camera person there for posterity, like, I get it, I guess. But, like, you really endangered him to, like, just so that people could bear witness that you got really close to your goal, even if you didn't make it. But, like, she put him in a lot of situations to make sure that, like, everything was filmed. And that felt insane to me. Like, it was very of the vlog era, though. Like, we presume that, like, after this, they're gonna show people what hell looks like. <laughs> Which is kind of, you know, society-shaking. Imagine if, like, Logan Paul uploaded his vlog into hell. <laughs> PewDiePie made it in and out. It's kind of like when they discovered dinosaur fossils and people had to reckon with that the universe was older than they thought it was. It would be catastrophic a lot of things I feel like they keep from us because like the shock of it would upend society too much I feel like aliens is one of those like if we have to think about how other things got created we're fucked or if we have to reckon with the reality of hell for real we're also fucked (laughs) me personally I struggle to think of anybody who deserves an eternity in hell I feel like after the first hundred years you get the point (laughs) Thank you for listening to The Monstrous Feminine. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, SoundCloud, and Spotify at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast and on Twitter at The Monfem Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and follow us on TikTok at The Monstrous Feminine Pod for podcast clips and more fun. Brooms up, which is out. <laughs>